Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters Weekly Podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, June 2nd, 2023, and I'm your host, Brian Peterangelo, and welcome to the podcast. And today we celebrate National Donut Day, which sounds like a lot of fun. Get out and get a free donut at a couple of establishments locally until the donuts run out. But there's really a bigger backstory behind National Donut Day, and it's actually meant to celebrate from the Salvation Army back in 1938, which it was established to celebrate women who traveled to France to serve donuts and other snacks to soldiers during World War I. So if you like donuts, grab a few and celebrate the honor of those individuals. And with me today, I'd like to introduce our panel of investment experts here to provide their insights on this week's market activity and more. George Mateo, Chief Investment Officer, Steve Haight, Head of Equities, and Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. In addition, if you have any questions or need more information, please reach out to your financial advisor. Taking a look at this week's economic news, we'll focus on two themes. One is manufacturing and the other is the overall employment picture. On the manufacturing and economic activity, we have two updates. Earlier in the week, some purchasing managers indices showed that there was continuing slowing in the overall economy. Alternatively, the Federal Reserve's Beige Book was out for May and actually showed that economic activity was fairly stable in April and early May, with four districts reporting small increases in activity, six basically had no change, and two had slight to moderate declines, evening out all the 12 districts. And on the employment front, we've got a lot of data. Earlier in the week, the job openings report came out that showed job openings increased to 10.1 million in May from 9.6 million in the prior month of April showing again the need for labor in overall jobs. Initial unemployment claims released yesterday stayed very steady from prior weeks at around 232,000, indicating not necessarily an uptick in the need for initial unemployment claims in a stable jobs environment. And just this morning, the Bureau of Labor Statistics released their monthly employment situation report for May's numbers and showed an increase above expectations of new non-farm payrolls at 339,000, well above expectations. However, the lagged in the rearview mirror unemployment rate went up to 3.7, which was a moderate increase in that overall rate. And we also have the labor force participation rate staying consistent at 62.6%. With all five of these data points showing that their economy still remains resilient in terms of the employment picture and the jobs market, which again leads to the debate whether the Fed will or will not raise interest rates here in their upcoming June meeting. And we'll discuss that today on the podcast. And finally, regarding the debt ceiling, it seems like the progress has been significant this week, moving through the House Rules Committee, then the overall House, onto the Senate with a vote for approval to put the bill on the president's desk to resolve the situation by the June 5th deadline so we can put this behind us in terms of economic disruption and go forward with the regular economy. So all this taken into consideration, George, let's start with you. What's your perspective on all this data and what it means for investors in the economy? Well, Brian, I agree with you. I think there was a lot of economic news this past week. I think if we could boil it down, a couple of things uh, kind of stood out to me. First of which, I continue to see some actually rebound in the housing sector. That, of course, was pretty that was hit pretty hard last year as interest rates rose. 
prices are rising again. Uh, activity seems to be kind of picking up as well. Spending at the consumer level is, is staying buoyant. And the manufacturing data you mentioned, you know, I think it's it's kind of weak, but I think it's kind of curious to see the survey data be, be somewhat kind of soft, but the actual, uh, the numbers themselves in terms of that manufacturing activity is still pretty brisk. But uh, you're right to kind of point out the employment situation. That's of course the marquee report of the week. Um, I think going into the report, the bar is set pretty high for the Fed to actually try to uh, to kind of walk away from, from pausing. You know, there's been a lot of Fed speak this past week that Rajiv will talk about. There's also a noteworthy columnist in the Wall Street Journal that kind of suggested that a pause or maybe just a skip, I guess is now the opera phrase, uh, skipping uh, raising rates or moving this time, uh, this month anyway, seems to be the case. But the report itself was was pretty strong. You know, uh, the numbers themselves, uh, I think, kind of suggested that the labor market is still uh, is, is still is still quite robust. There were some three hundred and about three hundred thirty thousand new jobs created. Uh, the revisions from the prior months were also quite strong, and this is actually the fourteenth consecutive month now of positive surprises. So I think all that's equal. The Fed probably would have had no choice but to actually hike rates in June. That being said, the other part of the employment report that really focuses on households actually surprised the other way, where it was a bit weaker than expected. Uh, unemployment is still low, but it did rise a little bit, as you mentioned. And I think it's worth noting that we're probably starting to see some evidence that the layoffs that, that people talked about, and we've seen you know, press releases of that sort of thing, suggest that maybe the layoffs are actually starting to kind of ripple through the data a little bit. Uh, and also at the same time, the average earnings, uh, actually average hourly earnings actually did actually tick down a little bit, which may suggest all that wages are, are starting to abate a little bit. So I think net net, I think the, the overall um, focus on the Fed has been one of data dependency, meaning they're focused on data uh, coming out one piece at a time. And it suggests to me that they're probably gonna be more data dependent. It is kind of confusing right now. And so I think all else equal right now, I think they're likely just to kind of take a pause, kind of see where things are, reassess the economy and decide what to do maybe in July or so. Um, the debt ceiling you mentioned also, I think we could probably put a, 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 a closing chapter on, on that story. I think it's essentially over by now. Let's hope that's the case. Uh, we're, we're starting to see some normalization in the markets themselves. Um, we didn't see the big um, cataclysmic event that people might have suggested was, uh, was at hand a few months ago. We never really got into that theory, but we did suggest that there would be volatility, probably not as much uh, volatility in the equity market, but certainly a lot of volatility in the bond market uh, was certainly apparent. And I think we're starting to see normalize, uh, some normalization there too, which is uh, which is welcome news for sure. At the same time, now we've got the the the, the duty, or the, the treasury has the duty anyway, to really rebuild its reserves. Uh, they took their checking account basically down uh, to almost zero. And I think normally they'd like to have a couple months of reserves um, baked in the cake or so for rainy day funds and so forth. And uh, and that probably means a lot of issuance of new debt, meaning that they're probably going to issue some roughly $1 trillion, I think, of new debt in the next couple of months. So I guess my first question to you, Rajiv, is how does the Fed kind of handle that situation? How does the market actually digest that much more supply uh, with respect to new emissions from the from the Treasury? That's a great question, George. Uh, you know, you see that they have to raise uh, the Treasury market would have to issue more than um, you know quite a bit of money in the front end of the Treasury market with this Treasury issuance. And now this issuance, as I mentioned, is going to be focused on the front end Treasury bills, and that's going to keep the front end yields higher for longer and actually quite attractive. Uh, we've been talking about front-end treasury uh, yields being attractive uh, when compared to other parts of the yield curve. That story should continue. This will continue to add that uh, we won't see that uh, decrease in yields that uh, the market may have been expecting if the Fed were to pause. Um, we would continue to see elevated yields on the front end uh, because of this new issuance. And I think what's going to be really interesting here is 
uh, investors are going to continue to look at that front end and say, I'm getting a lot of yield here, uh, maybe even more yield than other risk assets out there. So I think that continues to make the play uh, for front end uh, yields in treasuries, uh, the place to be on the yield curve. And, uh, you know, we've continued to find attractive opportunities and yields on the front end of the yield curve and continue to do so. Uh, we've often advocated for high quality and liquid assets, and these will be very liquid assets. So I think this is going to continue to be uh, be the story uh, for the treasuries. So meanwhile, the Fed's going to be meeting pretty soon to talk about interest rates, um, knowing that the employment situation, as we mentioned, is kind of, you know, you know, ups and downs, I guess. There was kind of something in the report for everybody today. We've got inflation next week, which will probably be, you know, the make or break story, I guess, or make, make or break data point for the Fed. What do you think the Fed is likely to do when they get together later this month, Rajiv? Uh, so, yeah, this week has been a continued debate on whether the Fed will, as you mentioned, skip or uh, they will raise rates at the upcoming uh, June meeting. Um, I think that uh, up to yesterday, many in the market were hearing these Fed members speak about a pause in June and then maybe a resumption of rate hikes in July. Uh, you know, I think that did move the market uh, quite a bit in the last uh, last day or so. But when you see the jobs data that came out today uh, showing this large increase in payrolls, that's kind of flipped the script again. Again, now the June rate hike is back on the table. And so we talk about volatility. We continue to see that volatility in the front end. Uh, the divide amongst Fed members that are looking for a pause and those that are advocating a hike might be bridged with some of these job numbers. Uh, there will be more support towards that hawkish rhetoric. You could still see Fed members come out and say, look, these numbers are strong. It gives us a reason to continue hiking in June. Uh, we saw the immediate impact in Treasury yields. Uh, the two-year Treasury yield, which is most sensitive to monetary policy, rose 10 basis points right when the jobs number came out. So immediate impact on the two-year yields, uh, they rose 10 basis points to 4.44%. That's showing uh, the market that, uh, you know, there's a 25 base point rate hike here somewhere uh, based on these numbers. So the question really becomes, does the Fed say, okay, let's pause in June and July we hike 25 basis points, or, does the, or do these numbers provide some kind of urgency for the Fed that we have to do something now? and then look at the data as we get into July. Uh, so I think that's gonna be the real question uh, going forward. I think that's what the Fed has to deal with. Skipping in June would give policy members uh, some time to assess data uh, and then maybe maybe you know raise in July by 25 basis points, but it's gonna be very important to hear the rhetoric uh, coming out of Fed members and how that impacts the uh, upcoming June 14 meeting. So notwithstanding some off-again, on-again um, debate up within the Fed, they've been raising interest rates pretty aggressively for the past year. We all know that. We've seen that in the data. We've seen that kind of ripple through the economy. The stock market, Steve, is kind of immune to that. I mean, I'm just looking at, at the chart this morning. You've got the S&P up, up almost a full percent this morning on the back of the employment data. Uh, and that's actually almost at a one-year high. So even though the rates have been adjusted meaningfully higher in the last 12 months, we're looking almost at, uh, at kind of the same level where stocks were a year ago. So how do you square that circle? How do you think that the market's going to process some of this tightening from the Fed at the same time, you know, all the volatility from the debts and other things we talked about too? Well, there's a couple things. First, the market really saw through the debt ceiling stuff. And, you know, it, it's been saying for the last two months that it didn't matter. Um, and guess what? It didn't matter. Um, they, they did what they always do and have done a hundred times in the past, which is do what they need to do at the last minute after making as much political hay out of it as possible. So, you know, the, the, the market, I think over time has, has 
become uh, kind of immune to any of the stuff out of the debt ceiling debate. So that's one thing. You know, the the, the Fed situation is interesting. I mean, we saw earlier this week the probability of a, of a Fed rate hike hit almost 70%. Um, and now here we sit on Friday, two days later, and it's at 30%. So um, I, I think that we've we've seen a little bit of, of maybe the, the the pause hoping come back into the market. Um, and, you know, you got to talk about what's going on in mega cap tech. So like the tech stocks have really been uh, driven by this thematic uh, about uh, AI, which we've seen take hold since the turn of the year. And uh, because of the amount of money that's being invested in in this theme by these mega cap tech companies, really, it doesn't seem like there's anybody else who's who's the market is giving any credit to possibly being a winner. It's all going to be mega caps. Um, and we've seen these stocks just explode uh, since uh, the turn of the year. And, you know, I, how, how sustainable is it? You know, you can, you can talk about a lot of things, but what, what I would say is if you take a look at measures of momentum and, and things like this, um, this looks to me like it's just, I'm just getting started, quite frankly. So uh, to clarify, when you say explode, explode on the upside, right? Yeah, exploded to the upside. <laughs> not, not the I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've 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 seen there are there are different types of explosions, George. You're definitely correct. Uh, but they they've exploded to the upside. Um, I mean, you've got um you've got companies that are printing over up a hundred percent year to date. Um and and we're not talking about small companies adding $200 billion worth of market cap in one trading session on, uh, on earnings reports. You know, um, when you look at this, is, is it sustainable? All this kind of stuff. Look, I can't tell you whether that is the case. Um, I was talking with one of my analysts yesterday. Um, and if you look back through, uh, through market history, uh, when times for tech stocks, when they get uh, really extended on price to revenue multiples, um, it can, it can, um, it can be a good tell for you that that things are are really uh, too frothy, but you know what? They can stay at these extended multiples, and the multiples can get a lot more crazy than what you think, uh, based on investors' ability to commit capital to a theme. So, um, we we still think that that this has legs, um, and the pain trade for investors is to the upside, unfortunately, because like if you look uh, again, I was talking with a, a a contact on the street earlier this week. People are not long these names. I mean, there has been a lot of fight um, from market participants uh, to quote unquote chase the trade in semiconductors or AI. A lot of them are structurally underweight, these large cap names in their versus the benchmarks. And I know that's kind of getting into inside baseball, but what that does is it provides a lot of um a, a lot of wood for the fire when they decide to to either get back to a market weight position or try to put a bet on that theme, right? So, you know, luckily we've been positioned in a good place and we've participated in it. Um, but but uh, I'll tell you, we're watching very closely what's going on. Well, that's uh, that's a good note to end on. I think there's a lot to watch these days. Even the fact that the uh, the calendar says it's the early days of summer. It'll be a busy one, I think, given what's going on not only in the market, but certainly with the Fed. And uh, I think our, our our approach is to say really neutral towards risk. You know, there's a lot of risks both both directions, frankly, that we have to be cognizant of. So our balanced risk posture, I think, uh, remains the order of the day. And uh, of course, we'll say attentive to all the things that uh, take place between now and the next time we get together. Well, thanks for the conversation today, George, Stephen, Rajiv. We appreciate your insights. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. 
Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. As always, past performance is no guarantee of future results, and we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information, and we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, key private client, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, a member of FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Key Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, a member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency, USA Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investments and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. eBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2023.